Did you get a uh, LinkedIn invite from uh, Frederick Douglass this week? I didn't. Did you? I didn't, but I saw a couple people who did. I hear that he's doing uh, good work. A lot of people are talking about him. Yeah, his his little bio is uh, getting recognized more and more these days. Always seeking something new, proficient in Excel. Yeah, I did. I did see that the the proficient in Excel part, um, you know, speaks to the uh, the CPA side of me. Mm-hmm. Do you f- uh, this? And I and I, I told you it was probably going to end up here, and, and I apologize. But the, the Trump stuff. Oh, what, oh, what, what stuff? So, like, there's, men- so there's so much to choose from. Yeah, and we're on to the third year of his presidency already, or so it feels. Sure, sure feels like it. But how do you reconcile the? Because like you're you're on Twitter and social media a lot, right? I unfortunately yes. Like, how do you reconcile the kind of appreciating and kind of like the whole like people are channeling their frustration and um, like anger with the administration and all that's going on right now? And like they turn that into like memes and and like uh, satire and stuff like that. How do you what are your feelings on how productive that is? Or like, do you think that's a good coping mechanism or do you think that's. Do you feel like maybe they're they're expecting the left to do that, and therefore they'll just keep rushing terrible, terrible things past us? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't judge anyone's method of coping. So if it's a coping mechanism for someone, that's fine. But in terms of whether it's effective, I would say largely no, because I, I think the people who are active like that on social media are probably, I'm guessing by and large, probably folks who don't typically vote Republican, if I, if I had to guess. And I think I think what's far more effective are the demonstrations that we've seen, people attending their local congresspersons' town halls, calling their office. The, the uptick that we've seen in that sort of activity, I think, is what's truly effective. Good answer. Although, although Melissa McCarthy's SNL skit was fantastic. I'll say that. It was, and... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I find for for a show that hasn't been that funny recently, um, it the, their political stuff has been has been spot on, and I'm very. Well, I, f- I felt like we were saying the same thing eight years ago with Tina Fey's Sarah Palin. I mean, that was the first funny thing that had been on that show. I mean, probably since like, I mean, probably since the Will Ferrell George W. Bush stuff. So I mean, it's it's like every it's like every presidential election cycle, SNL gets good for a brief period of time, which you know has been elongated unfortunately this cycle <laughs> um yeah i mean they 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 do politics really really well and i and what i do appreciate with this go around is how responsive it's been like the turnaround time in terms of incorporating uh the awfulness and tragedy of the week um like it it, it becomes a very coherent and and like biting political satire very very quickly but yeah well, and, and i really you... <clears throat> when you have this much material to work with, yep. Um, but and, and I really appreciate that uh, Alec Baldwin is like is swallowing his pride and, and willing to do this for kind of as long as it takes. Because I assume that's not what he wants to do with his career. In his Pro- life. probably not. Probably yeah. not. No. But he's doing it for the greater good. Uh huh. Yeah. But no, the the like the gender crossing uh, or cross casting that happened was really really good. Really good. Mm-hmm. All right. 
want to move on to the regular stuff and yeah, should we start recording? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Let, let's dive right in. So the the TV <laughs> the, the TV because I, I, I'm trying to uh, frame this in a way that doesn't say uh, isn't a me saying I was right thing. But do you remember when you were going to buy that Vizio TV and it arrived broken? Oh, I mean, yeah. Remember when I actually bought said TV? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that turned out for the best. That that it was broken? Yeah. 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 Prob- you probably. Could have had a spying device in your house. So just to be clear, so so what we're talking about is um, Vizio um, settled with the, what was it? Was it the FCC? Was the that FTC. Who? The FTC. Okay. Thank you. Um, no, the, the Trump's FCC would have just let it sail right through. <laughs> Probably. Um, so this this was not a new story. We we were aware that Vizio was doing this. Was it just that as part of the settlement, we got greater insight into exactly what they were doing, and what they were doing was even worse than what we thought it was before? Was was that was that the outrage this week? One, well, like the the FTC went public with what the fine was, and also I do think that it was never as um as explicit in terms of the detail of what they were actually doing. And so, what were they doing? So, with that, basically, I'm trying to pull up the article. Um, Protecting America's consumers, the Federal Trade Commission. Um. So, from the FTC site, it looks like they were doing under like the umbrella of what was called a smart interactivity feature which is a great way to spin it a very like politically um uh a very a very 2016 move uh they were collecting data on what people were watching and then reselling it to advertisers so that included um scanning the actual content even if it wasn't from like a smart device where it could intercept what the content's name was it would scan like regions of pixels on screen and match that against a database of other uh, of of known video content and then they would sell that including demographic information as well as uh the viewer and television owner's ip address uh to advertisers so that data could be used for advertising retargeting in other places on the internet so it it's it's just shocking how extensive and uh privacy violating the entire thing was like Vizio has always been like they built up a brand over the past 10 years as being a high quality low cost kind of like but like it was always the it was the good value brand like it wasn't always necessarily top of the line but it wasn't just kind of like the the insignia or store brand uh television maker but this is just incredibly sketchy and and it's disappointing that this this happened but this also goes back to we'll talk about when or if somebody goes back to the episodes where we talked about when we originally got our samsung smart televisions where i was quite adamant about literally not connecting it to the internet because one the built-in smart apps and that kind of stuff are not terribly good and if you're using an apple tv it's a little bit redundant but also television manufacturers in this super thin margin um uh consumer electronics environment are always incentivized to make money in other ways and advertising on the television and squirrely stuff like this are kind of just going to be par for the course. It's just crazy how, uh, what's the word, brazen uh, Vizio was with this whole thing. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you, though, and maybe neither of us has enough insight to say, but it really just doesn't seem like the amount of revenue that you could generate from doing something like this would be worth betraying your consumers like this can't bring in that much revenue can it 
I think if it was successful, um, it might have been worthwhile because advertise like with the different ways that people are watching things, whether it's uh, video on demand, over the top services, subscription video, or traditional cable or like terrestrial antenna. I think that like the the measurement um, tools that television networks and content distributors used to rely on, like all the Nielsen boxes and systems like that. Like those are becoming wildly ineffective where it's difficult to track that kind of stuff. So therefore, advertisers kind of can't really see if their message is all that effective. So therefore, something like this that they can sell to see what's being viewed in addition to maybe tracking the viewing habits of certain households and linking that to demographic data like uh, income and location – like that does provide valuable insight to advertisers that they want. And advertisers are always looking to encroach on like user privacy to more effectively pinpoint like their ad buys. But like, I mean, I think it might've been successful, but if Vizio or some type or whoever is doing this type of thing, like if they're upfront about it, like nobody in their right mind would ever say yes to it. And the fact that they buried this in like this weird generic, um, Sorry again, what was it called? Uh, smart interactivity feature. I mean, that's just, it's just weird and just so sketchy. I don't know. It's like, it just, everybody wants to sell your data. And that's where like, sometimes like the super paranoid um, and maybe what uh, seems like sometimes Byzantine Apple approach to like uh, machine learning and, and cloud services and that kind of stuff is maybe somewhat reassuring in the sense that like, I don't, um, like the fact that I have that television completely disconnected from the internet and I will instead use the newest Apple TV for that because that's a box I, I trust because Apple has said that they're committed to privacy and they're very explicit when they collect data from their customers and how it's used. Well, I think this gets into something that Dan Benjamin's talked a lot about, which is you know his preference as a consumer is purchasing... I don't know what the right I don't know what the exact phrase that he uses, but he would rather outright purchase something rather than get something either for free or at a subsidized price that it's being subsidized by advertising. Like it's just it's very it's very clear with something like the iPhone where you know you're paying, I mean whether you're a monthly plan or buying it outright, whatever the case is, you're spending a significant amount of money on this device, but it's it's very clear what the transaction is. You're paying apple six seven hundred dollars over you know the course of two years or whatever it is but then you know you get the phone and then that's it there's no advertising or anything that's happening after the fact whereas you know it, it, it seems to be the case with something like this vizio tv where you're paying significantly less than you would for a comparable tv from a different brand but that's not that's not the entire transaction yeah, and, and and I'm exactly the same way because I mean it goes to the, that really old adage of um, uh, if you're not the consumer, you're the product, right? Which is where like social networking, like you'll see whenever you look at um, whenever Facebook or Twitter or anybody like that reports earnings, like you'll see an actual metric of the uh, monthly or um, yearly value of each user on the platform based on the number of advertising dollars they get per user. So. Facebook is not a free service. It is something that's provided to you for free in exchange for you being a product that they can sell towards advertisers, which is not like, I mean, that's, that's the way it works. And like, nobody, uh, like, I really doubt anybody would pay an annual fee or something for social networking. 
because then like the network effects and your social graph just don't work in that way. But no, like I will always look for a paid option on whatever I'm doing. And that's why I'm sometimes a little bit wary of using like Google services or those types of things where like I, I don't necessarily trust Android that much for that very reason. And also I just don't like ads junking up the experience. So therefore, if there's ever like an in-app purchase or something to get rid of advertising, I'm all for that. Wouldn't that be super interesting if a company like Facebook changed to a paid model where you had to pay for the service? Would never happen. No, no, no. I know. But isn't that like, isn't that super interesting? If Facebook came out tomorrow and said, okay, we're now, we're now a subscription-based company. Like I just, it'd be so interesting to find out how many people would pay and what they'd be willing to pay. One half of 1%. <laughs> it would go from 1.1 billion monthly active users to like eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, get, it gets, it, it goes back to what we talked about last week with Super Mario Run, where, you know, it's 5% of people paying $10 for that game. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's, an applicable example here because you know like facebook i mean mario is just such a powerful brand that you know if if mario can only convert five percent of people to pay then you know good luck with any sort of you know indie game developer yeah i mean like i think like if this were to ever happen i think like the only social network that you could really say like might effectively be able to convert into um uh like a paid for user thing would be like Instagram and i still think that the um uh participation rate or like the level of people who would um buy into that would just be so uh, so astronomically low you know what i was um <laughs> what i was reminded of i think this was about a month ago um you remember app.net as one of the idiots that gave him 50 bucks yes oh, i do oh no Oh no, you did? I should scratch like the rest of what I was going to say. No, then. say it. Say it. Well, it was basically because, just no. going to go into like, you know, how dumb we are. What, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, no, we're idiots. Like that was the thing. Well, like, don't say we. I I had nothing to do with it. I mean, we as in the, the... you and the rest of the idiots, okay. Yeah, let's the... just, just let's just be clear about that. If that's the show, I'll be, I'll be furious. No, 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 no. Although I'm not, I'm not that mean. It's not bad. Um <laughs> Like, here's the thing. Like, I think that app.net was not that bad of an idea. It was a pretty bad mm. idea, though. Um, it was it was during a time when I think everybody who was on Twitter felt um, kind of vulnerable and, and concerned because, like, that's when um, uh, Dick Costolo's Twitter um, was... Costolo? Is isn't it Costello? No, it's Costolo. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. We'll come back to that. Yeah, there's certain names in in, in um, Silicon Valley that everybody pronounces wrong, and it drives me nuts. There but. should be just as a brief aside here. There should be a term for that. Where you know, I run into this occasionally, where especially like in like an email focused environment, mm -hmm. you'll frequently correspond with someone over email for in some cases many months without ever actually having to say their name out loud. Mm -hmm. And then there comes a situation where you have to say their name out loud, and like you have this half second before you actually say it realization like oh I've, I've never actually said this out loud i have no idea how to pronounce this <laughs> you know what i'm talking about right there, oh, there, there should there should be like a name for that 
Yeah, we'll see if we can think of something. <laughs> Betsy Davos. Isn't it? Isn't it De- Davos? That was my point. Okay. But that's how I'm pivoting, pivoting this back to Trump. Oh, no, let's not do that. Let's not. Uh, I was saying, yeah, like app.net, like it's back, like when they, you remember when they started shutting out all the developers and we're like, oh shit, like this place that uh, we really appreciate might go away. And, and what would happen if we had something that wasn't full of crappy advertising that was developer friendly and all that kind of stuff was out there. And like, I, I, I kind of bought into it. Well, actually I literally bought into it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, and yeah, I used it for like four minutes. Nobody was, <laughs> nobody, but, um. Well, actually, like the same tech, like the same core group of people that we probably follow on the internet who aren't media people and are mainly technology people were on there, but it's just like nobody else was. So therefore, like the level of engagement and follow ratios and stuff wasn't there. And then just everybody abandoned it and it was fine. I mostly remember it as just being an opportunity for people who didn't get their ideal handle on Twitter to rush to get it on app.net. Well, it's worthless now. So. <laughs> So my great username over there is, is gone. Did you get just your actual name? I did. Wow. And I kept, uh, God, back when Twitter was smaller, I probably should have because they were very more, uh, they were far less uh, stringent on like what they determined to be an inactive account. And the dude who has at Carlos um, was inactive for like a year and a half. So I might've mm. been able to get it back when Twitter was smaller, but now uh, probably unlikely. It's probably for the best that you didn't, though. I can't even imagine the level of spam that you would get having a generic handle like that. Yeah, but I already, but I again, depending on when the baseball season is, I already get hate tweets uh, for that one guy who's on the Milwaukee Brewers. Do you really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, have I not wow. sent you screenshots of like, no. like the super offensive thing? Oh huh. uh, yeah, because sometimes he because he's uh, he is uh, not the nicest guy. Like he's kind of a a showboaty kind of strong personality guy. Um, and you're, he, you're, su- you're, su- you're suggesting the team with Ryan Braun might not be a high character team. I, I can't believe who's that. Ryan Braun again. That name sounds familiar. He's the guy. What, what who, did he do? He got suspended for PEDs uh, and, and then he fought it, but then like it, it's, ugh, it's a mess. He was using science to make sports better. It's fine. Hmm. No, I'm joking. I only say that because I always use that as my thing whenever I'm, people are talking about GMOs. <laughs> it's science making food better, uh-huh. which it actually literally is. Anyway, yeah. are you an anti-GMO person? No. Okay. No. All right, good. What were we talking about? Vizio. Yeah. How, wait, no, but uh-huh. we, were, we were talking about um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not the consumer, you're the product. Yeah, I mean, that's... right. So are you the same way or what, what's your trade-off in terms of like like attention versus privacy versus uh, cost and all that kind of stuff? So I guess I would put myself fairly low in terms of being concerned about something like this Vizio situation. Like, you know, I, I have a, a, a Samsung account on that TV that we have and I'm like logged into that whole thing. And that, that doesn't particularly concern me, but generally speaking, when I have the option of using a free version of something or a paid version of something, I opt for the paid version, but it's less to do about the privacy concerns and more just about, you know, usually an ad-free experience is just a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably true. I think advertising is the biggest diversion, but But I think, but but what what I would say though, is that what I think is really important is 
when you're a, an advertised advertising subsidized offering, you need to just be incredibly transparent about that. So like, you know, when I said that I generally don't have concerns about kind of the privacy angle to that, what I should have caveated that with is the fact that that's making the assumption that the service provider or the manufacturer is being upfront with what they're doing. I think it's a whole it's a whole different thing with this Vizio situation where they're not making it clear that that's what's happening. Exactly. But also, so where do you where do you draw the line with this though? Because that's one of the tricky things. Where even if you, um, because a lot of the privacy policies in terms of service that you are required to accept before using either certain uh, groups of features or even an entire product, um, it can be very very broad. Um, so where do you draw the line in terms of uh, the products that you buy? Like, has have you ever not purchased something like an actual tangible good, not just software, uh, because of the of the terms of service or privacy policy? Hmm. Because that, like, that's the tricky part. Where, like, what? Let's say every television manufacturer has these like draconian and 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 terrible privacy policies policies that says yeah we we can sense what uh show you're watching and and your ip address and we're just going to send that to whoever we want because um you know the margins are razor thin on this thing and and, uh you guys wanted your cheap tv so here we go because what if that just becomes the norm well i think that that gets at exactly what the problem is which is to, to some degree i don't think there's any right or wrong answer into how much data is being shared with advertisers so long as what's happening is made explicitly clear to the consumer but that that's the issue is that it, all this stuff is buried in legalese in some 40 page eula it's you know it's it's not it's not easy for a consumer to go in and and see what's happening like i think we've talked about on the show about how we dislike sort of the like natural language error message that you'll see in like windows 10 you know like the like oops something went wrong Mm -hmm. but i think actually that using that type of cutesy kind of language would actually like this is a situation where that would actually come in handy if you could you know when you boot up your visio tv for the first time there are a couple of screens which say hey you know here's what's happening sort of behind the scenes on your TV and you've got some, you know, like, you know, cutesy graphics and stuff. Yeah. And, and that's, and yeah, that's also tricky because a lot of startups will try to do that and be incredibly transparent, but as they turn into larger companies or they ever get successful, all that falls by the wayside pretty quickly. Well, but that, I mean, yeah, it, it does, but it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I don't know. I, like I, again kind of a maybe this may be being a little bit more of a legitimate social experiment than the uh, paid facebook example i used but it'd be interesting to see if you know a company like vizio you know rewind the clock if they when they decided to go down this route if instead they were way more transparent about it where you know maybe they had a couple of um a couple screens when you set up your tv for the first time that sort of at a high level explain what was happening. And then at the end of that, they say, oh, you know, if, and if you really want to know more details, go to this website. And then they have a, a web page set up where they kind of go into all the nitty gritty detail about what's happening. Like, I, I kind of wonder, like, how many people would necessarily care? I mean, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, in our kind of T-word 
circle here, mm-hmm. a lot of people would be upset about it. But just as a, as a general consumer, like, I don't know, my, my sense would be that by and large, a lot of people would have the philosophy that, oh, okay, yeah, that's happening. I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But again, what's the alternative if you disagree? Well, don't, I mean, don't buy a Vizio TV. And, and that, that's the, and some that's people the thing that is that, well, but, but, but it's just so small. Right. Well, but then the reason it's small is because, you know, people don't have access to the information they need. <laughs> Over these two weeks, that's, uh, we're not so going to go there. They, but they only have access to the alternative facts. Um, okay. So what I was going to say, though, that, that's a good point. And here's like, maybe more companies, if this is going to be a thing. Like I, I get the economics of consumer electronics that, that like eventually the prices just go like, and this is what happens to Android phones. This happens to most consumer electronics. Like it's just a thing, but I think Amazon actually tackles this in a really good way, a way I don't necessarily like, cause I just wish the other option was the only option. Um, but the way they do, uh, their, uh, devices with special offers, like if Vizio wanted to market a budget 4k 50 inch tv for 600 dollars that said um uh subsidized by viewing habit tracking or 650 for one that was completely free of that like why not do that right yeah that'll never fly but yeah but because i think like amazon has it easier because the Special offers, like, there's just such an immediately, like, you just know, like, oh, this one has no ads. But just saying, oh, you get to keep your privacy, but you pay more, that's that's probably, the PR would not, even though most people would opt for the other one, people would, like, feel screwed. Whereas Amazon's deal feels very upfront. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what needs to happen. You know, I in a lot of ways, I think there's there's a good argument to be made that ideas like with this Vizio example where advertising is helping to bring the price of TVs down, therefore making them available to more people. That's, that's a good thing, but I I don't, the the bringing it to more people thing I disagree with. Why, why so? It, the amount that's reducing is not getting more TVs and more homes. Like if anything, they're budgeting. Oh, we might make ten dollars per user per uh, on the life of the TV off this. I don't think it's bringing the cost down that much. I think this is just a cash grab. Well, I mean, maybe. I guess I was trying to take a, a glass half full sort of view. No, it's always half empty with these guys. <laughs> but what I mean, so what I was gonna conclude is that you know, I I I think that's fine, just so long as you know people are. Uh, or companies are transparent about it. All right, I think I think that's all there is to say about that. Stop stop doing that, Vizio. Flawless transition. Uh huh. We're nope. all we're all we're all about the flawless transitions here. Nobody will even know. Okay, <clears throat> that's a, that's a bonus for attentive listeners. Uh huh. So moving on to the next thing, this has been in the topic kind of uh, hopper for a couple of weeks now. And can you remind me why this is here? Um, we were talking about connected device privacy. So was there some incident or something that happened in the past couple of weeks that link, links into that? You you put that there. I know, but... You, I, you, you, you tell me. In my old age, I don't remember this kind of stuff. So that's why we I have I, I enlist the help and collaborate with young people who, who know this stuff. Uh, no, I, I, I don't recall. 
So we might have already talked about. It. So there was a thing where there was like the subpoena on um, Alexa data when there was like a murder in some in yeah, oh, yeah. or something. Uh huh. I don't know if we did, if we covered that, but like, what is this goes back to the like are you the are you the consumer or are you the product thing? Like, what is your concern? the more connected and smart allegedly devices get like back when you did your um smart home type uh renovation project thing like what what is your not necessarily hacking concern but what is like what what are your privacy concerns of like what amazon what microsoft and what everybody kind of has access to as everything becomes more internet connected i i did start to think about that when i bought the original xbox one that came with connect and that that has the you know always on microphone and camera in that case and it you know it didn't it didn't really freak me out and i guess i didn't really think about it a ton but as i was setting it up i definitely had that moment where i you know kind of thought like yeah it is kind of weird that i have this device in my house that's constantly listening to what i say um but I don't know. I guess it it doesn't it doesn't really personally bother me. But I guess it it does it does start to get weird when law enforcement agencies can potentially subpoena that data because you know the 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 privacy of your own home is is something that i that i do think you know is, is a is a necessary part of life and it it kind of feels like that starts to to fall into more of a gray area in a case of you know getting like echo data well so let me let me stop you there let me or let me ask a clarifying question because uh, i've been thinking about buying one of these two uh you have a canary right i do yeah so i i've researched that one a little bit but i've been more looking at the uh, the nest cam but does the Canary have a cloud DVR or like some type of historical video archive? You, it, it does if you pay for it. So you you get nothing. You only get live viewing if you pay for it, if you don't pay you for it. You get what do you get? I could have sworn you still got like twelve hours or something. Yeah, you do. It, it's some period of time. It's like yeah, twelve or twenty four hours or something like that. So I guess like, do you have any concerns that that data could be obtained by law enforcement or something like that without your knowledge? And basically have an inside view into your home and your comings and goings for up to two weeks. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like I, that I, stuff. Yeah. That, I, that concerns me way more than Alexa. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, when like, again, going back to the connection example, when videos involved, yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's, that's a different story. Yeah, no, it, it is. Um, it is without a doubt a little, a little weird. Yeah. I, I've really been considering the canary and that kind of stuff, but just, I don't even, <clears throat> Just the, like, thinking if, like, God forbid your your email somehow gets compromised or, like, the two-factor authentication fails and somebody, like, when you think that, like, live video into your own home uh, is one password reset away, terrifies the crap out of me. Right. Sorry, not, I'm not trying to make it so that you can't sleep tonight, but. No, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I've, I've thought about it. Um, I mean, with, with all this stuff, there's a trade-off. I mean, it, it's. In the case of Canary, it's the security that's being provided. In the case of something like the Echo, it's more of just a, a convenience thing. But I mean, with all this stuff, there there's sort of that that delicate balance between you know what you're giving up versus what you're getting.
Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, where where do you draw the line? Okay. All right, what do you have next for us? Well, so, the, and, and speaking of the, um, <clears throat> the, the topic hopper, as, <clears throat> as you put it, <laughs> um, I like that phrase. So we, um, we've had this Apple Watch check-in. So this, is, this has been on my list for a while. Um, so the, the genesis of this is... <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. What I've, what I've kind of found is complications on the watch. Most of them are just kind of worthless. Like they don't really provide a ton of insight or value. So what that got me thinking about was, or I guess I should say also before I go any further, either they don't provide a ton of value or they just don't work. <laughs> they, they, the third-party complications just, just don't refresh, even though that was supposed to be addressed in watchOS 3. Um, but I digress. So I, I wanted to just kind of selfishly use this time to ask you if you had any good Apple Watch complications that you like, which then I, in turn, could steal and start using. So, so I took a couple of screenshots, and then they're being sent over to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, this... I see here. And, and you'll probably get a kick out of the, uh, the pending OmniFocus thing that I've delayed like for <laughs> 10 days straight. Um, <laughs> I'm working on it. See, like, so like this first one's a really good example where, so like I had the sunrise time on, as a complication for, on my watch for a while. It's because there's nothing good to put in the middle. That, that's completely worthless data or like, I mean, no offense, but also you have like the moon phase on this first example. It's like, for symmetry. <laughs> Here's well, the no, thing. I know. Right. But like, that's the problem with like one, like for for a product that allegedly everybody keeps acting like it's successful or or um that it's it's Apple's next big thing they seem to be putting almost no effort in terms of like functional watch faces because the uh what's this one called modular uh yeah i think that's right like the only one that has any type of like information density or something that's kind of like uh usable like in terms of a smartwatch like cuz you can make it be a fake um like a fake uh, analog fancy watch, but in that case, you might as well have like a regular watch. Um, but this one, like, sure, the fitness rings are great. The time is only locatable in one place. Like, I actually think I prefer it to go in the middle um, and be larger. But um, like, there's that big middle section where I seem to have an issue where, like, it, I always end up going back to the just uh, sunrise sunset, which I actually don't mind. Like I, I like that it shows the current city I'm in, which not that like, I don't already know that, but it's that that's kind of nice to have. And I actually do like the, um, sunrise sunset data for, um, like planning runs and stuff. But yeah, like I, I have the timer because it's the only thing I reliably use my Apple watch for, uh, which has gotten way worse in watch OS three. Uh, then I have the calendar, little shortcut for the current date, and then yeah, I just have the moon phase there to give some symmetry and balance to it. So, and then I have kind of my uh, workday um, watch face, which the one thing I do like about WatchOS three is I can instead of having to do a bunch of force press nonsense, you can just do like a full swipe uh, right to left to toggle between watch faces, which is nice. And the only thing that's different about that one is that I've replaced the moon uh, with a shortcut to, I think it's uh, either like, I think that's the Fantastical widget. 
um, that shows when my next meeting or appointment is. And then in the middle section, I have OmniFocus, which will just show um, uh, items that are coming due uh, today in OmniFocus. So those are the two that I toggle between. But to be honest, uh, a lot of days, it just stays on the front one just because it, it gets me what I need. I can look at uh, I look at the time. I can easily access the, the fitness data. And I can get to um, timers. And that's about all I use the watch for, uh, plus notifications, which happen no matter what. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I just, I just haven't found a combination, a combination of complications, it's a mouthful, that (laughs) where, exactly like you put it, where I, I, I basically find myself with two or three spots where I'm kind of just putting complications there for symmetry's sake, not because I think it's actually useful information, which, which is, which is super disappointing. Yeah, and and like they 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 have to figure it out and make more digital watch faces that don't suck. Like, because there's either the one where the time is just fucking enormous and there's no uh, useful info there at all, or there's this one which hasn't changed since WatchOS one and it's just not that good. Like, and the problem is also that um, like a lot of the third party complications, just even though WatchOS three allegedly has allows them to pull in the background and do stuff like that. A lot of them still don't update reliably. So a lot of times I'll have stale data on like a fantastical view or something like that until I either reopen the app on my phone or I open the uh, glance or complication, whatever the apps are called now. Right. Um, So the data updating is not reliable either. So exactly. I just kind of like I stick to the core ones and then, and then that's it. Or like, like, so here's an issue that I have. It's with OmniFocus, where so if I complete a task on and I mark it as complete on my Mac, that update doesn't come down to my phone until I actually open the app on my phone, which consequently then the complication on my watch doesn't get updated until I you know open the app on the phone. So like the mm-hmm. the sync between the phone and the watch is pretty reliable which is more than can be said for other apps so at least it's got that going for it but if i just mark something as complete on my mac if i don't do anything with my phone the watch complication is still wrong and i think we've covered this in the past show but you've double checked that your push settings are on yeah i just i checked that again today yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've actually noticed that in the past um, few months as well. Like, I could have sworn the um, uh, the push thing in between OS X and um, the iPhone used to be a lot more reliable. But no, I'm finding that. So, so I, I I think so that this I've noticed it also with Overcast, where maybe it's an iOS ten thing. I don't like where it's maybe more aggressive with killing background apps. But maybe yeah. I've noticed with Overcast that. It seems like, you know, I used to be able to pause a podcast and then I'd be able to, you know, go back even like an hour later and I would just be able to quickly resume. Whereas yes. now it, it feels like if I pause a podcast, even if I even if I go back five minutes later, like Overcast has been completely killed and I and I, you know, like from Control Center don't have the option just to resume the audio track. I actually have to go back into the app. Thank you for saying that because you know, like I've always wondered because I use um pocket casts. And that's been happening a lot recently, and I think it it does actually link to um, 
uh, to iOS 10. Yeah, I think it's just it's more more aggressively killing background apps, I guess. Yeah, like where I can uh, pause a podcast, go move into another app, take yeah. a phone call, and yes. then uh, when I go back to resume the podcast in iOS eight and nine, like I was always able to tap play and go right back. But now it'll just show this uh, gray screen. Like it understands that Pocket Cast was the most recent app that was doing some type of audio task, but it's just blank now. And it's it's like fifty fifty as to whether hitting play reinitializes what I was doing. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay, I thought it. I thought it. My only alternative theory behind it being like an iOS ten thing was that it was just something going on with Overcast. But no, the, the verbatim what you just said is exactly what Overcast does. So. It's got to just be like an iOS 10 thing. Yeah. But it's it's really annoying when you try to use your headphones to resume play. <laughs> and then and sometimes you'll just get some random ass song from your iTunes catalog. Well, that, yeah, that that's what happens generally. Is if Overcast has been killed, then yeah, I usually just start randomly playing a track from yeah, the music app from Sugar Ray. Uh-huh. Mhm. Or Jack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I'm sad again. Okay. Um, yeah, so... So we've not we've not resolved anything here. No, not at all. Good. Although I'm, I'm glad that you haven't, like, uh, like, gotten super creative and, like, tried to switch over to, um, one of the other watch faces. No, I mean, modular is, is even with its limitations, is, is still the, I think, the most useful. So let me send you one last, um picture because i actually do have a third watch face that sometimes gets used um and and this one i i i kind of like but i but i love to hate and this is the chronograph one where if you're doing like stopwatch functions um is nice but just like because you can only put complications in the corners and they're all like awkwardly shaped and weird i still don't necessarily love how it works but that one is is serviceable what's the What's the top smaller circle? So top left is fitness in black and white. Top um No, sorry, uh, I mean like within the actual watch. I like I like I get so I guess I get the the lower circle where it's got the sixty at the top and then it goes mm -hmm. fifteen, thirty, forty five. But I I, I think those are minutes. Because oh, when you I, use this one, it becomes like it's an incredibly accurate stopwatch. I see. Okay. Yeah. See, they're taking the the metaphor too far. Yeah, but I do like it whenever like I do need to set um a stopwatch because I I just find it more convenient than the actual stopwatch app. And then I have my my sunrise in in the lower right, and <laughs> it, again it balance and then and then the timer app. So that one's fine. That's the only other one that makes its way into the rotation. I I had the timer app as a complication for a while, and it's you know it's useful Wait, you when don't? I'm doing no. Oh, s send me a picture of yours then. Because that I well, I that, think I, I I have the I think I have the screenshot setting off. Oh man! Yeah, I mean I can I, I I if you fill some dead air here, I can I can turn it on. But all right, so Jeff Sessions was confirmed today. <laughs> no, not not like that. Uh, um. Okay, enable enable screenshots. Boom. Okay, we got that. So now it goes to. <laughs> sorry, my... I just, I just got an email address from. Uh, sorry, an email from Hover about a, a domain I registered three years ago and have never used. So that's forty five dollars down the drain. <laughs> oh, good. 
If, if anybody wants alligatorscribbles.com, they can buy it from me. Alligatorscribbles.com? What the hell was that supposed to be? It was a joke about, have you ever heard the expression chicken scratch? Yeah. Yeah, so I thought alligator scribbles was funny. And now I've wasted $45 on a joke that only I think is funny. That's That's not your best. No. No. Show title worthy? Probably not. No. So there, there's mine. <laughs> so sad. Um, or sorry, sad exclamation mark. Right. What the hell's the, or what's the thing on the lower right? That's uh, streaks. That's a, that's a handsome complication. Yeah, but well, hmm. but it does, it doesn't really work. <laughs> Got it. And also the app itself is kind of ugly. Yeah. Um, okay. This is, this is interesting. Uh, I like the, I, hmm. The the fitness app in the in the bottom rows is is curious. I, I think I, I like would, it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think your decision of having it in the, the upper left is somewhat disconcerting. That's the default. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I thought the, I thought the date was the default. No. no, no. Oh, that's weird. No, the the date the date the date goes in the top left. That's where that's supposed to be. Yeah, the only thing is with with the weather instead of in. I guess that again that's the reason I default to the um to the sunset uh sunrise thing is that when you I, I just always found maybe I didn't experiment enough in Watch OS three, but the weather just never updated frequently enough. So it was it would always say it's like sixty two and cloudy and it's like seventy five and sunny outside because it hasn't checked since nine AM. So that so the one the complication you're looking at is just the default weather app. And that in Watch OS three is pretty good about updating. Um I tried using the Weather Underground complication for a while, and even in Watch OS three, it, it it does exactly what you just described, where it, it seemingly only updates itself once a day, if that, um, or it'll update itself when you actually open the app on the on the phone, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. But the the stock weather apps, by and large, seems to be pretty reliable. Okay, but but I'm thinking what I'm thinking though in mine is I like the idea of maybe using the smaller fantastical complication as a instead of the streaks complication moving streaks out of there and putting fantastical that doesn't seem like a bad idea yeah right yeah i do want the listeners to know that i hope they appreciate this this comes out as uh one single mp3 file instead of three yeah we won't <clears throat> we'll spare the uh the listeners a, a lot of the details but there's <laughs> there's been a, a variety of um environmental and technical circumstances which has made tonight's episode a little more challenging than usual yeah you didn't even get any of the burnt avocado toast what never mind i do i'm sorry was that that was even that's that's too inside san francisco even for me you're not you're not familiar with the whole avocado toast revolution that is Centered in San Francisco. No, I, I I am, which is, but what I'm saying is that that joke is even too San Francisco for me. I don't I don't get it. Oh, okay. No, it's just a, uh the fire truck. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, I I see, I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> Again, in the Trump presidency, it all just feels like a year from now. <sighs> yeah. Can't normalize it. No. Um, okay. Going back to T word stuff. Um. Yeah. So I mean well, that that's it. That's what the uh, that's it with the Apple Watch. Again, it's it's tricky and again like that feels like why I don't really care to go buy the Series 2 because I'm just so meh on the first one. And I don't think the waterproofing or the 
faster processor is going to like it might relieve uh, or might alleviate some minor annoyances, but probably won't really change things. So it's probably not worth rebuying again. No, I, it's it's a product I'd have a hard time recommending people go out and get if they have a series one. Yeah. OK, Um this is something we've we've argued about offline a little bit, but let's let's talk about it. And this goes back to the the topic you've been trying to help us avoid all day. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit. What is your your what are your thoughts on uh, tech CEOs and, and leaders of the business community uh, engaging with the Trump administration, and more specifically, the ones who have agreed to be on his? It's called the Economic Council, or what's it called? The uh, the Economic Advisory Council, I think. Mm-hmm. So, w- what's your deal? So, uh, or w- what are your thoughts? Because um, Elon Musk, uh, Travis Kalanick of Uber, and and a, uh, quite a few others ha- were invited and did participate in the initial seminar, and some of them agreed to um, convene with his advisors and himself on a fairly regular basis to address like what the business community thinks and, and needs and wants. Uh, to continue creating American jobs and making America great again. So what what are your thoughts in terms of should people take a, a strong stance against his policies and say, no, we're not going to engage? Or is that like a burying your head in the stand uh, type approach? Yeah, so I've, I've been been thinking about this a lot because so I think since the last time we've talked, so um, Cal- speaking of names that you read a lot but don't say aloud a lot, so it's it's Kalanick, is that? That's mm-hmm. Uber? Okay. So Travis Kalanick, so he, there's there's what he's done in the last week, and then there's what Elon Musk has done. So Kalanick, well, go ahead. Oh no, you're you're about to explain what I was. Going yeah. To. So go so Kalanick left the advisory council, and Elon Musk decided to stay in the council. Um, and I and to Elon's credit, I think we're we're on a first name basis. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just did that. Um, <laughs> it's Mr. Kalanick to you. Yeah, and, and Mr. Musk. Uh, <laughs> I think that's why you're on a first name basis because Mr. Musk sounds really weird. Oh, I think I, okay, a, show title. No, there we go. A, what a show. Um, so I think um, he did a really eloquent job of explaining why he decided to remain on the council. And, you know, after thinking about it for the last week, I, the more the more I think about it, the stronger I feel that I, I think remaining engaged is the right answer. Now, I think that comes with the caveat that if there comes a situation where the advice that's trying to be conveyed in these meetings is sort of being belligerently ignored, then then perhaps it's time to rethink strategy. But particularly in these still early days which god hard to believe we're it's still early days but i think it's it's important to stay engaged and to have a seat at the table yeah yeah i i acknowledge i like i understand that that perspective and and i keep i still haven't come to to a conclusion on that because like specifically with the with the uber thing like um I think this was right after the uh, travel ban slash uh, religious test uh, Muslim ban from the United States uh, from countries that he doesn't have any business relationships with. Um, There was the whole hashtag delete Uber thing that actually seems to have gotten a sizable amount of traction to the point where Uber actually had to uh, take 
account deletions from being a human uh, manual process into something they had to automate because they were getting so many. And a lot of people were doing that delete Uber campaign because of uh, Kalanick's participation in the Trump Advisory Council. And the the, the ironic thing about that is that um, when people were suggesting use Lyft instead, uh, uh, Carl Icahn, who is one of uh, Lyft's biggest investors, is a huge uh, Trumper. So, like, it's that's that's not what we're calling them, is it? A Trump supporter. I, I've heard Trumpers. Trumpers? Oh, God. I I don't know. It it's all. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Can we call them red hats? <laughs> oh, that's really good. Did you come up with that just now? Yeah. Oh, I hold on, hold on a second. The problem is. Sorry. Bravo. That, that's real that's really good. Sorry, I thought you might, might have hung up a fourth time. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, we're recalibrating already. No, yeah. Okay, I gotta hold on. Now I can let alligator scribbles uh relapse and I'll try to make redhats.com a thing. You probably won't you probably won't get that. You might you, you might be able to get like the redhats.com. But then that sounds like a Motown band. Well, so it, it's it's a it's a versatile domain, is what you're saying. Um, the only problem with that is that that's a, an enterprise software company. If you take away the S, but yeah, we'll call them Red Hats. Um, but like, yeah, like Lyft is is backed by somebody who's way more invested in that kind of thing, and that just goes like, I know the left, and and like, trust me, no, f- very few people are more disappointed and horrified with this administration than I. But like, you have to figure out like what. What do you do to limit the damage that one one horrifically unqualified, thin-skinned orange man can do? Like, you you have to—and again, if we're not already on a list, uh, we're on a list now. <laughs> um, like, like what, what do you do? Like, you want to convey the interest of the businesses of the future— uh, that most Silicon Valley companies and, and other large employers, because you wouldn't really call Microsoft and Apple. I wouldn't really call them Silicon Valley companies in that sense anymore. But like, what what do you do to communicate the needs of that sector and also try to hopefully uh, temper and uh, push back against policies that maybe are out of touch or I'm sure are out of touch or are going to be bad for the current business climate or for the American people. Like, I mean, not engaging seems like the morally pure thing to do, sort of, but it also does a disservice to your shareholders and also to quite possibly like the people who are probably upset with you for, for participating. So that's the, um, like probably the Elon, the Mr. Musk view, but on the other side of things, like it just feels really terrible to see somebody enacting like these travel bans and uh, rolling back environmental protections and all this kind of stuff uh, with just blatant disregard for the years of progress that a very large part of the country sees those policies as um, uh, reflecting. But like, yeah, I, I just I still don't know which which is right and, and which is the wrong approach. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think where I land is for the time being, I think remaining engaged and having that seat at the table is the right answer, but that that doesn't come with a blank check. I think in order to stay at the table, there needs to be some indication that, that it's going to be a two-way street. Um, okay. And I think it's, it's, it's too early to say whether or not that's going to be the case. 
early indications are that it's probably not, but I think it's too early to give up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and some real-time follow-up, just, you know, for, in case anyone's curious. So um, <laughs> the the red, the, this is my my choice of a domain. I think it's got a nice ring to it. TheRedHats.com is available. Yeah, that one it, I would assume. It, but it's considered a um, premium domain. And what that means on Hover.com is it is $660 to initially register the domain. But then it's only fourteen ninety nine per year to renew after that. Oh, that means that somebody owns it and has it for sale. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you can get... Uh, you can get... Um, there's a, quite a variety here. You can get the redhats.xyz for eleven ninety nine. How much is uh, um, redhats.coffee? Redhats redhats.coffee. Um I'd have to I guess I can what, what can I do here? I can search for coffee. The redhats.coffee uh $29.99. Not bad. I I also I appreciate that they have theater as both spelled the um American way and the and the British way, and I appreciate. Oh, the correct way and the British I, way. Gotcha. I, I also, <laughs> also, so theater, uh, the correct way in, in your parlance, er, is fifty four ninety nine, but theater, the British way, re, is seven hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, how? I wonder why that is. Because can that, you that, um, that that darn that darn pound conversion? I guess uh, it's the Brexit, uh, right? Um, Brexit po- Brexit plus plus. I think is what you're thinking of. No, it's it was Brexit uh, Brexit times fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, can you tell me how much uh, theater spelled the British way dot theater spelled the American way costs? Or see if that's available, because if so, I'm kind of registering that right now. Oh, so if you, so if you have theater dot, <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty good. If it's available, I'm buying it. Oh, it, it's just make an offer, so somebody's got it. I respect that they got it got to it before me. You can get theater dot Democrat or theater dot Republican for thirty two ninety nine. <laughs> if it was, hold on. Is is Republican dot theater available? Because that that could get me some use. Republican dot because that's all it's spelled been. spelled the American way. Of course, they'd have it no other way. Exact match. Republican dot theater is available. Fifty four ninety nine. Oh, that's tempting. <laughs> I, hmm, I'm I'm tabling that one because I might actually want that. Okay. Uh, um. What are you talking about? Yeah, the, the uh, 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 side note, like these TLDs are getting out of control. They, yeah, they really are. Yeah, there's dot horse and dot bike. That's just yeah. <laughs> that's where those, you draw. That's where you draw the line. Well, no, those aren't jokes. Those exist. And, no, I know, I know. That is when it got too too ridiculous. Dot hip hop. Dot. No we, way. We, we, we've we've done yeah. We we've done this bit on the show before. I don't think we have. No, we have. There there was an episode where we went through uh, like fifty subdomains. Must have been a slow news week. Yeah, it, it was. It was many, many episodes ago. All right. What else? What else? What else? I think that's. I think that's mainly it. Did you have any uh, grab bag stuff or any uh, quick things you want to talk about? Um. Well, so I get the only one that I guess that was kind of noteworthy for the week was this whole um, German article around like hybrid Max. Oh yeah. Um. 
so the, the little background here. So German had a had a scoop on Bloomberg this week where he says that Apple is is working on um, ARM based Macs, but it's not not in the way that has been historically rumored, where Apple would sort of you know full sale switch from Intel to ARM. Um, rather, the the rumor here is that there would still be an Intel processor that would be sort of like. I guess the primary CPU, but then there would be this ARM chip that sort of supported the Intel chip in doing, I guess, what sounds like a lot of sort of like low power management tasks. So I think like one of the examples that was used in the article was that, you know, OS 10 and now Mac OS has had a feature for a while. It's called, I think, like power nap or something where mm -hmm. if your computer is connected to Wi-Fi and is plugged into power it can refresh applications like like email and things like that so that when you turn your computer or when you wake your computer, everything's already updated. A task like that could be switched to the ARM chip and use even less power than it does today with the Intel chip. And like potentially do that stuff while even on battery. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... <clears throat> What I would remind people of is that the new MacBook Pro um, already has an ARM processor inside of it because that's what the the T1 chip or whatever the um... right the the Touch Bar. Yeah, so this is yeah. just kind of like the logical extension of that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an think, interesting idea. Yeah, no, I think um, the idea of Apple fully switching over to ARM chips has always seemed a little far fetched, at least sort of in the short to medium term. But this this seems entirely plausible. Like I, I could see this happening even like later this year or next year, you know, like this, this really doesn't seem that far fetched. Yeah. Like I, I, it, I struggle a little bit to see the utility in it. Um, but again, I, I'm not a systems architect well, that was, or any of that kind of stuff. That, that was sort of, that was sort of my takeaway too, is it feels to me that there's got to be a little bit more to the story than just, hey, we've offloaded PowerNap to this other processor. Like that, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem quite compelling enough. Yeah, if I had to guess, there, there, there's going to be more to the story. Yeah, and the idea of ARM Max, like, like you said, always seemed a little far fetched. Just because, while, while yes, in some low power machines like the the MacBook One, um, the competitive performance like the comparison of performance versus the um like the most recent uh a10 or whatever version number they're on for the uh, ios and ipad chipsets is somewhat competitive for like single threaded and some dual core processes like when you get like into the higher power um quad core chips that are powering like the 5k imac and that kind of stuff it's a complete non-starter so for apple to uh, fork the operating system again and, and change processor architectures and go through all that kind of stuff for performance gains that are either just like comparable and you're only getting battery life savings or in a lot of cases worse seems just not realistic right this seems far more so but yeah again like i can't really imagine how this plays out um, but i assume if it when it does there'll be a more compelling reason just because that, that seems to add to add a lot of complexity for relatively little benefit for the user yeah i i completely agree yeah but that's uh it's neat yeah i wonder if arm chi uh, arm chips um help uh keyboard uh typing depth or key, key travel maybe maybe yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right. It was a short news week, so do you want to tie things up? Uh, yeah. So are we are we bringing picks of the week back? Uh, yes. We we took a, took a week off. Yes. Our pick of the week last week was our own program. <laughs> That's right. Yes. All right. Go ahead and go first. So I, you know, this is sort of a um, a, a in a lot of ways an obvious pick, but a, a, something I don't think we've talked about on the show before. Um, which is the iOS Amazon app. Hmm. Um, it's it's one of those rare instances where I consistently find myself, even if I'm at home here and, and have access to my Mac, in general, I find it easier to purchase items on Amazon using the iPhone app than even on the web browser. I just think the, the end-to-end process is super, super clean and really efficient on the mobile app. And it's also just got a ton of other great features, like what I was using um, uh, yesterday was it you know has this feature where you can either just take a picture of the product or the barcode, and you can instantly kind of price compare between a brick and mortar store and on Amazon. And that's just that's a super super useful feature. Um, and you know, and and it goes both ways, where sometimes Amazon's cheaper, sometimes it's not, but it's a great way just to do some quick you know price comparison. Um. But yeah, I, I I was thinking about it more this week just because it, yeah, it really is like kind of that rare example of where it's actually I think easier to perform most tasks on the phone than it even is on your computer, which we've talked about at length on the show. You know, you and I feel by and large is not the case with sort of everyday work, but in this one little example, I think it is. Cool. Yeah. Uh. And also keep in mind that that one feature that you really like of like the photo recognition of uh, objects and that kind of stuff for comparison shopping. Remember that that was the marquee feature for the Amazon Fire Phone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, well, cool. Um, yeah, I really wish, and I know they'll never do it, but I wish uh, somehow the um, Amazon app would somehow link in like through a share extension to send your stuff to the deliveries app automatically. I know it'll never happen, but I wish. Yeah, yeah. A man can dream. Mm-hmm. If you dream small, it might come true. That's right. Um, mine, uh, tell me if I've already done this one. I don't think I have. Uh, it's an app called Capsule. No, but that that's that gets that that's advertised all the time on Upgrade, right? No, no, that <laughs> no, that's that's a, a web uh, uh, CDN or something that like that. Um, manages how fast your uh website loads it's called encapsula oh okay yeah i always i keep wondering where that where they have the money to because it seems like a very uh niche service and they advertise a lot yeah but no it's it's an app called capsule capsule okay spelled spelled just like you would expect it to Mm -hmm. and the uh, the icon is a lemon (laughs) okay just because i assume there's many things called capsule in the app store sure Basically, it's a uh, a low power and very privacy conscious app that runs on your iPhone. But basically, what it does is it creates like just an automatic little uh, life log. So just as you travel, let me um, I'll screenshot this and send it over to you. But basically, it just lets you know um, where uh, where you were and where you traveled, and it automatically looks at photos uh, inside your iCloud photo library that you took while you were there, and just kind of maps that stuff out. Huh. I like the um the weekly digest view. That's kind of mm-hmm. neat. And that's um 
Sorry, let me go back into Slack and send this over. So if I if I like download this now, will it go and like back populate stuff? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean it's it's very cool. It's good to try. It 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 makes almost no impact on your battery life because it uses the uh motion coprocessor uh motion coprocessor thing. So it's using data that uh the app um that the iPhone's already collecting from you. It allows you to manually um uh make moments or whatever they call these little automatic things. Um but yeah, it's 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 neat. I like it a lot. And it's kind of like it, it's an automatic way to kind of like uh, log where you go without being like douchey, like using Foursquare or something like that. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, free. And uh, I think it only runs on iPhone. And because it's very, um, it's meant to be like a privacy focused thing. Uh, it doesn't sync to iCloud, which is a bummer if you ever did want to sync it across devices. But So it's free. So what's the, what's no- the catch? So no, it's not one of those things because it literally has no sync component or anything like that. I think it was just somebody's cool project or like proof of concept. It's a it's a small company, but no, there's no data that leaves your phone whatsoever. Huh. Okay. So no, you are not the product. Okay. They haven't figured out their product, but that's not your concern. <laughs> and it's got a great icon. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Good pick. Thank you. All right. We survived another week. We did. Okay. We'll see you next week when public schools are closed. 